0: You are listening to the Winnipeg Art Gallery Podcast. I'm Leif Norman. Over the next few seasons, this podcast will explore 100 years of people, places, and things in the Winnipeg art scene. It started long, long ago. Notable events of 1912. The first parachute jump occurred from a moving airplane. A ship that was said to be unsinkable sank. The South Pole was reached for the first time by British explorers... Movies were silent, and the Ford Model T was still a new thing on city streets. And the Winnipeg Art Gallery was born. But back in 1912, it was called the Winnipeg Museum of Fine Arts. The WAG, as people commonly call it, is Canada's oldest civic art gallery, and home to the largest public collection of contemporary Inuit art in the world. But let's start off with the current home of the WAG. The building, at 300 Memorial Boulevard in Winnipeg, was custom-built in 1969 as a state-of-the-art art art gallery to protect valuable paintings and sculptures from the extreme heat and cold of the Winnipeg climate and to give the WAG a proper home for the first time in which to reside. Let's go outside and talk to some people on the sidewalk about the WAG. Winnipeg Art Team, could you tell me what this building is here? Uh, It's Winnipeg Art Gallery. Have you ever uh, been inside it? I have... What do, you, what do you think it looks like? Could you describe it? Oh, jeez, I don't know. Um, I really don't have... You can't describe uh, it? It's pretty distinctive, I think. Uh, it's, it's very modern. Um, could you tell me what this building is here? Uh, the
1: Winnipeg Art Gallery?
0: And <laughs> how would you describe what the building looks like?
1: I don't know. A big triangle?
0: Heather, <laughs> uh, um, could you tell me what this building is, please?
2: This is the Winnipeg Art Gallery.
0: Um, and could you describe it for me?
2: Yes, it is a large, Tyndallstone stone building. It's um, a vault that protects and also displays the art that Winnipeggers own. It's triangular shaped. Um, it's been described by Gustav de Rosa, the architect, as a uh, ship, as an iceberg, as a building that points north.
0: Lucky for me, I ran into a professor on the street.
2: I'm Serena Kashubji, and I teach art and architecture at the University of Winnipeg. It's considered one of the most important museum buildings in Canada.
0: And could you explain to me how it fits into sort of the the modernist architecture of Canada and Winnipeg for me?
2: It's a building that's often compared to the extension on the Smithsonian, uh, which was done in 1976 and compared very favorably. It's, uh, as I said before, it's been kept up, it's gorgeous, and it functions very well as an art gallery. We consider it a late modernist building. It was sort of moving away from some of the ideas and themes of modernism.
3: Some concepts important to modernism. I'd like to introduce my co-host for this podcast, the Internet. He
0: knows a lot of things, so I'm always asking him questions.
3: Leaf, please don't interrupt. Sorry. Some concepts important to modernism. Form follows function. Simplicity and clarity of forms elimination of unnecessary detail the concept of truth to materials meaning that the true nature or natural appearance of a material ought to be seen rather than concealed or altered to represent something else I am the all knowing internet
2: um, it's been described as a super mannerist building and what I mean by that is a building that is really um, playful, uh, witty, maybe making fun of modernism while pushing us in the direction of postmodernism, the next movement. And some of the playful elements of this building are the triangular shape. Um, Gus Rosa did fit it into the site, which was triangular, but he could have done a square building or a, circle, a circular um, building. He decided to do a triangular-shaped building. Another one of the playful elements is the entranceway. It's very small and dark. It's even been described as a cave, but it has this 13-tonne door that can open and then this marquee lighting that sort of pops and glitters which is a lot of fun so there is humor in this building.
0: So it seems you like the building.
2: It's one of my favorite uh, art galleries in the western world Um, it's one of my favorite buildings in Winnipeg it's 40 years old this year and it's really fitting that they're actually celebrating its birthday.
0: Now that we have heard a bit about how the building we have now is regarded let's go back to the early 60s This will explain why it was even built in the first place. From 1933 to 1970, the Winnipeg Art Gallery's home was on the third floor of the Winnipeg Auditorium, which was also home to the Symphony Orchestra, the Winnipeg Ballet, the Manitoba Museum, roller skating nights, and occasionally, wrestling matches. The Winnipeg Auditorium, which has now been converted to the Manitoba Archives, was Winnipeg's largest public building suited for these cultural organizations and was bursting at the seams with activity. The Winnipeg Art Gallery was essentially trying to exist permanently in a borrowed space of a multi building. There were no elevators, so the crates of art had to be hauled up the stairs by hand. There were no temperature and humidity controls, so some of the 400-year-old paintings were undergoing climate shocks each time the seasons changed. When the auditorium held an especially large event, the gallery had to take all the paintings off the walls and pack them away. There was only a staff of three or four, including the director at the time, Dr. Eckhart. We will be talking about those days from the 1930s through the 1970s in later podcasts, so uh, stay tuned. In the 60s, the Winnipeg Art Gallery was growing weary of the difficulties of living in the auditorium. They owned over 4,000 works of art in the collection, worth over $100,000, and had no secure storage for it all. They needed to find a new home. Around this time, there was a fortuitous plan being formed that could benefit the WAG, the museum, and the symphony, too. Prominent Winnipeggers wanted to celebrate Canada's 100th birthday in 1967 by building an art, science, and culture zone in an impoverished area just north of Portage and Main, across from Old City Hall. The area would be home to a planetarium, a concert hall, a new city hall, and hopefully the WAG and the museum. People were encouraging the WAG to join this arts and culture zone because it would be a natural fit. But there was a problem.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I've had the privilege of watching the Winnipeg Art Gallery develop from this um, third floor I was describing to this wonderful, wonderful building we have now.
0: Margaret Morse has been involved with the WAG since 1952. She is past president of the Women's Committee, now called the Volunteer Associates, from 1964 to 1966.
1: Decision was made and the movement was put, motion was started to move to have these buildings down on Main Street built on Main Street. The art gallery was supposedly to go there in a very small piece of land, which was a problem.
0: So the deal was that money would be available to support the WAG moving to the land on Main Street, but the space allotted to them was seen as a bit
1: small. So it came to the Board of Governors, of which Arthur Johnson was president and I was on the board representing the Women's Committee, that, that's just traditional, uh, that um, it was stated that the provincial government would not finance a, an art gallery, per se, if it didn't go to the land that was going to, the property had, that had been selected on Main Street. And at that meeting, a vote was taken, And it was a very close vote, but one of the the board members at that time was Mrs. James Richardson.
0: Mrs. James Richardson, known as Muriel Richardson, was a social and business force in Winnipeg. When her husband suddenly died in 1939, she took charge of the Richardson and Sons business, Richardson International, which is Canada's largest privately owned agribusiness, and she ran it very successfully for 27 years. Mrs. Richardson also served on the Board of Trustees and the Board of Regents of several Canadian universities. With the help of a few women in the early 50s, she established the Women's Committee for the Winnipeg Art Gallery, which organized fundraisers and soirees, and it is still going strong today known as the Volunteer Associates. When Muriel had an intention, people listened.
1: One of the board members at that time was Mrs. James Richardson, known Muriel Richardson. Who just quietly and graciously said, She said, I'd like a building committee established this week. I want the property found, and I will pay for the land. And she said, Also, I stipulate that we have an architectural competition, national. All the blueprints came in, and there are about 175, and there are only two. two blueprints that were triangular in design, one of whom uh, was Gustavo de Rosa, as you know. And so um, that's how that started. And we didn't have any money. And at that time, uh, if Dr. Eckhart didn't have the wisdom and the tenacity and the foresight and the determination to say, we're gonna go it alone, But Dr. Eckert, we don't have any money. We're just going to build this building. And there were a couple of strong people on the board. Uh, Sam Cohen was one. And uh, so we decided to go alone, and eventually the grants came in and so on.
0: So the WAG decided to go it alone and find a larger home than the tiny bit of land offered to them on Main Street. Even though the government was offering them money, it was seen as silly to move from one small home to another one. They decided to build on a large triangle-shaped lot on the corner of Colony and Memorial, which was just down the street from the Manitoba legislature, and coincidentally, right across the street from the Winnipeg Auditorium. There was only a gas station and a large parking lot there, so preparing the site was quick and easy. The architectural competition announced in 1967 was to be anonymous and based on design alone, so the judges would not be swayed by recognizable names. The winner would be revealed by opening a small envelope attached to the blueprint after the decision was made. Hundreds of firms from all across Canada had applied, and when the name was revealed, it was found to be... Gustavo de Rosa, an architect and professor at the University of Manitoba.
4: My name is Gustavo de Rosa. In Canada, with the English language, they call me Gus, the Rosa, but it is Gustavo the Rosa. I'm an architect for over uh, 55, 60 years and practice all over the map. This competition it was done in our centennial year, 1967, and uh, uh, the result of the competition, they informed me on the 18th of December, 1967. I remember
0: it distinctly. I was uh, 34. Uh, I had a paleontologist in looking at the fossils on the oh, stone. Gus explained to me about how he wanted a I'm triangular to chimney me. to match the triangular building ah, well, and liked the look of the fossils the in the stone. Existed many, many years Stone. Now, did you do you like having the fossils in there or not? No, I enjoyed it. By the way, in case you I have not it. seen it, the Winnipeg and Art just Gallery just is made almost I entirely know. out of a local Manitoba limestone covering the walls and floors inside and out. This Manitoba stone is famous for having numerous fossils of shells and corals in it, which are about 400 million years old. That's older than the dinosaurs. You can go to the Winnipeg Art Gallery's Pinterest page to see some images of the Art Gallery building and some of the people heard on this podcast. Just search for Pinterest Winnipeg Art Gallery. The use of vast expanses of fossil-filled tindlestone stone ties in with what the Internet said before about how modernism was about the true nature of the material. He told me about the delicate glittering lights on the and ceiling of the entranceway and how he knew they would be the respected in and kept safe. Our
4: office Gus, you're crazy. Within two weeks, it'll all be broken by vandals. I said, You don't have good faith in our Winnipeg people.
0: He chided me for calling his yeah, front entrance door a wall, a wall. It's not a
4: wall. Tell it's me a gate. It. Why did you in It's put a door. There? Because I wanted to use this door to inform the public that. The gallery is open now.
0: And showed me how it pivots, and is not balanced in the middle but offset, according to the golden mean. Hmm, the golden mean, I wonder who I could ask about that.
3: Known for over 2,000 years, the value of the golden mean, or golden ratio, is 1.62, and can be measured in the spirals of snail shells, and the branch patterns of plants and trees. The golden ratio's application is said to yield pleasing, harmonious proportions in art and architecture. If you take a rectangle and divide it about 60-40 then the ratio between the parts will be about 1.62. This is more interesting than just dividing something in half, don't you think? Once you know about the golden ratio, you can see it employed numerous times throughout the Winnipeg Art Gallery.
4: This building is designed to be able to maintain constant temperature.
0: The building is triple insulated. It has the largest elevator in Western Canada and is the first building in Western Canada that could maintain constant temperature and humidity. Totally state-of-the-art. It has two power plants that drive the heating, cooling and humidity controls just in case one needs to be repaired or fails this provides the utmost protection for the art inside. The building was finally large enough to accommodate a larger staff and now had over 11 galleries and a sculpture garden on the roof.
4: Because if you vary the humidity, you can destroy the works of art easily.
0: After almost 40 years in the auditorium, the WAG finally had a permanent home. The Queen's sister, Princess Margaret, came to Winnipeg for the grand opening at a fanfare of trumpets played from the rooftop. Since then, this grand, imposing, stone-clad, modern, secure, triangle-shaped iceberg of a building has hosted many significant art events in Winnipeg. In 1976, $32 million worth of master paintings from the Hermitage and State Russian Museum were brought to Winnipeg. This was an international diplomatic concern because, keep in mind, in the 70s, bringing anything or anyone in or out of Russia was a bit tricky. If it wasn't for the ability of the new building to keep the art safe and secure, it never would have been allowed into Canada. Winnipeggers lined up around the block to see the Russian collection of the world's best paintings, and Harry Belafonte, who happened to be in Winnipeg at the time, showed up at the WAG to see them too. The new building allowed the WAG to start acquiring contemporary Inuit art on a serious scale, and there are now over 10,000 pieces in the collection the greater collection of modern and classical paintings and sculptures grew from 4,000 to over 25,000 pieces today. In the 80s, the WAG opened an art conservation laboratory and held the first exhibition of a contemporary Canadian artist, Ivan Eyre. For over 40 years, Winnipegers have come to the WAG for fashion shows, film festivals, gala balls, weddings, and roaring all-night parties like Nuit Blanche. Muriel Richardson and Dr. Eckhart's bold spirit and Gusta Rosa's smart and modern design will make the gallery a center for Winnipeg art and culture well into the future. This has been the first of many Winnipeg Art Gallery podcasts in honor of the 100th birthday of the WAG. Our thanks to Serena Kashavji, Margaret Morris, and Gusta Rosa. And of
3: course, the internet no problem leaf would you like to see some cute cat videos now they're pretty cute
4: if you wish Leaf, you can you can edit it (laughs) my my friend
0: we'll edit it don't (laughs) worry